0: Glory America, it's Hugh Hewitt that music means it's the last radio hour of the week, and that means it's time for the Hillsdale Dialogue. Each week at this time, I am joined by Dr. Larry Arne, president of Hillsdale College, or one of his able colleagues. Dr. Matt Spaulding has been with us the last three weeks. But Dr. Arne is back from his extended sail, his voyage around the Baltic, probably with Hillsdale College supporters. All Things Hillsdale available at hillsdale.edu. All of these conversations dating back to 2013, I believe, available at hugh4hillsdale.com. Dr. Ard, welcome home. You are home, I assume. Are you in Michigan or inside the Beltway? I'm in Michigan, and I, I think it's
1: right, my first time back on Hugh Hewitt, to confess that I have been colluding with the Russians.
0: <laughs> yes, you have. You've <laughs> been spending money there, haven't you? <laughs> I have been. Uh, I do discover last time I was there,
1: everybody loved Putin. Uh, this time, you know, what does everybody mean? It means when you're in Russia, you maybe talk to 15 or 20 Russians. Uh, this time, nobody liked Putin. They, oh, Yeah, and there's a very touching thing by a tour guide lady who is an architecture professor, retired, very talented woman. And she said, Be careful, she's going to get picked up if they can figure out who she is. And notice I didn't say her name. And and she uh, said, yeah, I'm afraid we're going to go back to all of that. And the economy is better now. But all of that, if you're old enough to remember that, you know how terrible that is.
0: Uh, Knocks on the door at night. Uh, yeah. Journalists are already being killed the uh, the siloviki his inner circle is already stalinesque in its intrigues and there 's a Beria and there's a uh, an enforcer and there's a, a, a khrushchev there's a whole central committee that's forming around him that is very eerily reminiscent of the bad old days
1: isn't it though yeah and uh i hope not uh you know and i i uh P- putin is uh he's a nationalist for russia and there's nothing wrong with that and uh if they don't lose their freedoms then i can put up with him <laughs> you, you
0: put a, a corrupt autocrat is not a totalitarian there's That's a difference
1: right. you know and you know and we've got we've got so many problems we spent a lot of time on the cruise talking about this and uh this fun christopher caldwell was with us who knows a lot about this oh you bet about europe and uh uh, you know, we got a lot of problems in the world, and the strategy of of uh, trying try, try not to have make, make more enemies unless you have to is a really good idea. And God sees North Koreans going nuts, and the Chinese apparently helping them, and the Chinese being what they are, you know, growing power and full of their might and confidence and stuff. Russia is not like that. Russia is still got demographic problems, and Russia is still just chiefly an oil state, and that doesn't look like nearly as good a thing to be as it used to be. So when you're picking and choosing who's going to be your enemies, we've got such a wide field, we should be careful not to pick them all.
0: Now, I do want to talk about Russia since you brought it up. Sergey Lavrov this morning on a on a different network, uh, Good Morning America, or Today Show, actually, it was on NBC, uh, told Keir Simmons that uh, Putin and Trump may have had more meetings at the G20 summit. All that is designed to do is to feed the frenzy. And the Russians, if, if chaos is what you want, to cover all of your nefarious deeds in Crimea and eastern Ukraine and your ties to organized crimes and your assassination of journalists, all you have to do is keep feeding the American media tidbits on which they will then, uh, like a pack of dogs, tear up for all day. And and, the, and they are playing a KGB game, a GRU FSB game with our media, and our media doesn't seem to be aware of that, Larry Arndt.
1: Well, they might be aware of it. It depends on whether their purposes are partisan or not. I mean, it uh, you know, tr- uh, it, there's some you know, this is a fearful time, right? And the the way that the Congress is behaving in general, both sides of the aisle, uh, and the way the media is behaving. I mean, it's just it's just a all-out death war against the Trump administration by the media and the left. And I've never seen anything like it. And, you know, so Donald Trump was in the same place as Vladimir Putin, and they had a bunch of meetings. That's what they were there for. And some of those meetings, you know, the the first outrage extra meeting that had not been announced, there were 40 people in the room, you know, some of them ordinary people, you know, not secret people, not top advisors. And so they get together and talk. You You should read the story of uh, of Winston Churchill's visits to Moscow and other meetings with Joe Stalin, they wandered around the halls at night and run into each other and stay up drinking until 2 or 3 in the morning. And Lord knows what they said, except, of course, there's a record of what they said. You can read it if you want to.
0: Well, th- there's a difference if you don't have any historical knowledge and if you do. And there's a difference if you have a partisan agenda. I believe Putin is an evil guy, but that you have to deal with evil guys when you're the president of the United States. And uh, we have been doing so. Nixon with Mao. FDR with Stalin. uh uh uh, President Obama with any number of, uh, heck, Nancy Pelosi sat down with Bashir Assad as the greatest mass murderer going around the country now and and thought he was a reformer as did Hillary Clinton. It just is the nature of the world that you got to do this. Let me ask you, though, about the constitutional issue. And... Uh, I have been saying for a long time that Bob Mueller is a man of great integrity, and I trust his integrity and his team, but that I am troubled by a second attorney general, and that's what he is. You've got a second Department of Justice, and they're doing it. Now, I don't want the president to fire him, but I do want people to understand this is not constitutional government to have a second attorney general. It's very bad, and the president gave vent to that yesterday. By saying he wouldn't have appointed our friend Jeff Sessions had he known he was going to be recused. And I believe, by the way, that that's a fair thing for the president to say because Very it's much. true.
1: Very much. And, uh, yeah, I i mean, first of all, I, I wasn't as happy about the special prosecutor as you were back in the day, so I'm not ready to count coup over you yet, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, it, Uh, These things have a way of getting out of hand. Mueller is apparently tight with James Comey. James Comey has an inflated understanding of his importance and and, above all, of the independence, a word he likes, of his position, FBI director, whereas if really the cops are independent of the political authorities, then you have a police state. That's what we're talking about in Russia. So so I, I fear all of that. I do think that uh, if you're going to be appointed a cabinet post, you need to tell them everything. And they, they have a right to know everything. People should go to understand how you comport yourself around stuff like that. Go read the very great book, but also there are various accounts of it on the Internet, of something called Rumsfeld's Rules, which is something Don Rumsfeld, who's you know one of the greatest of our modern public servants, and should have been president of the United States, almost was, almost picked by Reagan to be his vice president. And he wrote out rules about how you do those jobs, right? And, you, and all of the rules emanate from the place that one person is elected and therefore is the representative of the sovereignty of the people of the United States, and you work for him. And even when you're interviewing with the people, his interest let us say the interest in a in, in success in his administration is much more important than you getting a job. And I'll tell you, you know, I'm, I'm not criticizing anybody in particular here, but I was interviewed for one of those jobs of late. And I, you know, I didn't want the job very much, and I told them that. But I gave them a long list of reasons why it would be a foolish thing to appoint me, just so they knew. And I, I didn't make up any ones that I know that I think would cause them trouble if they appointed me. And then they said, "Well, if we ask you, will you do it?" And I said, "Sure. It's like conscription, right?" <laughs> yes, it <laughs> is. Know? I said, "Yeah, but you know, full disclosure, right? I'm a useless dog and I probably wouldn't be any good." And or I whatever, bite. Yep. Or whatever else I said. And that so a lot of this, you know, is stems from that thing because the point is what uh, now the worst thing I see from reading the papers while I'm gone, The worst thing is, there was a meeting with Donald Trump Jr. where the Russians offered some dirt on Hillary Clinton. Now, and there's a poll this morning that says that people don't like that. 60% of the people don't like that. I don't trust those polls. I don't trust any polls right now, because if you can't trust the front page, how can you trust the polls inspired by the media? But anyway... So let's say that he gave them, they gave him some dirt on Hillary Clinton. Well, either it's true or it's not true. And if it's true, maybe it ought to be known. And the source of it doesn't affect the validity of it. And I don't think there's any evidence that anything was given to them that they used. But gosh, if you're running for president against, against Hillary Clinton, and you read the stories about the fundraising of the Clinton Foundation about half a million dollars speaking fees and million dollars speaking fees, you know, that's a lot of money. And, and, uh, and then you read those stories and you think some foreign governments might know some stuff. And, uh, and so they're running and she's accusing him of every dirty deed. So if you're just gathering facts, it looks to me like you can gather them.
0: Uh, and, and when we come back from break, we'll continue to talk about that and how one ought to go about gathering. i and pose the question to uh, Dr. Arne whether President Trump ought to be done with Sessions, Rosenstein and Mueller in a swoop and reset the Department of Justice. Stay tuned. It's the Hewitt show. Welcome back, America. It's Hugh Hewitt. That music means it's time for the Hillsdale Dialogue. Dr. Larry Arn, president of Hillsdale College, is my guest as he is most weeks. All of our conversations dating back to when we began with Homer many years ago and marched through Western civilization are collected at Hugh for com. Nowadays, we tend to spend more time on current political events as they are so immediate and important and we are talking as we did before the break dr Arn is back from his european tour with hillsdale college supporters all things hillsdale at hillsdale.edu about the situation that confronts the president dr Arn, i read to you from bloomberg this morning fbi investigators and others are looking at russian purchases of apartments in trump buildings trump's involvement in a controversial soho development in new york with russian associates the 2013 Miss Universe pageant in Moscow, and Trump's sale of a Florida mansion to a Russian oligarch in 2008, close quote. Now, that could be untrue. That's an unnamed source. It could be an FBI uh, grudge-carrying Comey supporter. It could be anything, but the president's exercised about it because he believes this was supposed to be a, an investigation of Russian collusion, and there isn't any. And he is tempted, I think, to fire Robert Mueller, and with him, the Attorney General and the Deputy Attorney General, and bring in someone like Mike Littig and reset the Department of justice i asked jake sherman of politico earlier today what would be the consequence were he to do something like that and jake said quite bluntly none there wouldn't be any uh there'd be quite the explosion in the beltway manhattan media but quote there probably isn't any close quote jake sherman no conservative he on the consequence of firing uh Mueller, sessions and a reset what do you think
1: well uh i think uh so first of all let me tell you what a sp- smoking gun would be that, that Mueller might legitimately find. I said before the break that if uh, some Russian offered some dirt on Hillary Clinton and Trump received it and decided it was true or decided it was not true, well, he's just done opposition research. If Trump promised them something that wouldn't be in the interest of the United States on the of being elected, that would be very improper. And so Comey might find something like that. I don't know how he would, and I would be astonished if any such thing existed. But And there's no evidence of that right now, of which I know. But that's something for him to look for under the terms of his original appointment. Um, whereas if he's going to go investigate the entire life of Donald Trump and all of his associates, what you said before is that we've got a new Justice Department working, and it's not working for the president. And think of the danger of the situation in which we're we are right now. Uh, the, the government is deeply divided. A House and a Senate is uh, controlled by a party that has pledged to overturn and repeal and replace Obamacare. So far, cannot pass a bill about that. Every kind of charge is going on everywhere. And yet, in the meantime, the government's supposed to function. Uh, the The idea is that between elections, the president is supposed to be very strong. I mean, the first time Trump met with some Russians and told them something that they had learned, that he had learned through intelligence, that was supposed to be like uh, like a, uh, a breach of the classification system. But he's the president of the United States, and his job is to make friends or harm enemies of the United States, and he's got to have latitude to do that. So the danger is... The whole thing is going to cease to function. And that's why all this talk about this expression that comes from Turkey of the deep state. And it looks like the the law enforcement and intelligence agencies are the source of partisanship in these controversies between the political parties. So it's dangerous. And you know, in the end, the remedy is this. Let's say they find that Trump has done something improper. If they get something really big, then, then, you know, the House could impeach them and the Senate could try them. But that's not going to happen, right? So the election is coming soon, and that's the remedy. And so I, I it's it just amazing to me. I was in Washington just before I went on this cruise. And what I'm afraid is the thing is seizing up, and there needs to break the log jam. And they need to, you know, first of all, what the Republicans should do is get on with their business. And I don't know if Trump should fire this guy Mueller, but I do think he's going beyond his brief. And if he does fire him, then I think they should try to get on with their business after that.
0: That would require... Uh, uh, four Republican senators, two of them, Rand Paul and Mike Lee, conservatives, to change their mind and start passing Obamacare repeal and replace. I'll talk with Dr. Larry Aron about that after the break. Stay tuned, America. It's the Hugh Hewitt Show. <laughs> Welcome back, America. It's Hugh Hewitt. Dr. Larry Arnn is my guest, president of Hillsdale College. All things Hillsdale, available at hillsdale.edu. All of our conversations dating back many years collected at Hugh4Hillsdale.com. You can binge listen as we march through Western civilization and the current events of the day. Dr. Arn, it is the six-month mark. Six months ago, President Trump was sworn into office. Mark Noller of CBS News. Gave us some cliff notes to review those six months. President Trump has signed 42 bills into law. He has made remarks and speeches on 258 occasions. He signed 30 executive orders. He has held 13 news conferences, only one of which was solo. He has visited 16 of these United States, uh, most often Florida, eight trips there. We do not include D.C., Maryland, and Virginia in that count. He's made three trips abroad. He's visited eight countries, only been to Camp David once. He's had 33 rounds of golf or at least been to golf clubs 33 times. He's met with 54 different foreign leaders, some of them more than once. He's been on Air Force 160 times, Marine 159 times. He's granted 48 media interviews, most of those going to the Fox News Channel 13. The unemployment rate when he took office was 4.8%. It is 4.4% today. The national debt has actually gone down. It was $19.947 trillion when he took office. It is $19.844 trillion today. And the Dow Jones Industrials was at 19827 when he took the oath. It is at 21640 today. What do you make of his six months?
1: <laughs> He's a very active guy, isn't he? Yes, he is. He, he, uh, I, I came to believe during the course of the campaign, and, and you know, anybody who's... who's studied american politics as long as i have and who holds by the constitution as long as i have and says that he was a trump supporter for the first day has just got to be a liar and i was i was not that but i came around to it and pretty early and i began to believe that he meant what he said and i found evidence that he'd been saying it for a long time you know back to 1990 is the earliest i found and so i'm not surprised that he wishes to rein in the regulatory state. I even think he has some idea that it's an alternative kind of government to the constitutional kind, and he's attacking that all the time. And so I, I like that about him very much. And, uh, you know, people don't like his tweets, and I don't know whether I like them or not. I, I, don't, I don't tweet myself, but, uh, but I read about him in the paper. And I think given the way he's covered Having direct contact in brief format with the American people, I don't know why he'd give that up even if it
0: doesn't work. Well, you ain't giving it up. And uh, I know the ups and I know the downs of the six months. We're going to be treated to a, a woe is me, and they're all going to diminish and, and talk about Gorsuch, Gorsuch, Gorsuch being repetitive. But, of course, Gorsuch, Gorsuch, Gorsuch is going to matter for 30-plus years. He's only appointed and confirmed two members of the 22 open to him on the circuit courts of appeals. My biggest beef is their pace on the circuit judges. There are 130 other vacancies he hasn't moved on. And the Department of State is a mess, and we have this Thing, But generally, the Congressional Review Act laws are very significant. The big fail, the big fail is health care. While you are out of the country, four Republicans, two from the left, two from the right, Susan Collins and Dean Heller, combined with Rand Paul and Mike Lee, and you can add in Jerry Moran of Kansas to kill off the Mitch McConnell stitched together uh, repeal and replacement, and uh, you know I like Mike Lee quite a lot, uh, though I'm very angry with him on this vote. I'm the only one of three people I've ever held a fundraiser for—Jason Chaffetz and Doug Ducey being the other two. But he made the good the enemy of the perfect and deserted his friend Ted Cruz, and thus he now owns Obamacare. Do you think we can resurrect something out of the ashes of this, Larry Arn?
1: Well, we have to. I mean, my, Mike Lee is a friend of mine, and uh, and I can tell you of what I regard, personal knowledge, that you won't get anywhere with him by, by beating him up. He's a tough guy, and he's a very principled man, and he's doing what he thinks is right. Uh, the way I think about this situation is different uh, than he, I, I, I think, and more, more like you, I guess. I think this, I think, since the birth of the regulatory state, which really happened in large physical ways in the 60s and 70s, there has not been such a chance to attack it as the one we have right now. Correct. Reagan never had, and so that means in the whole history of America, this thing that constitutes, in my opinion, a constitutional crisis, has never we've never had a president leading a party that controls the Congress that means to attack that thing and reduce it to reasonable size and to the right method of operation. Laws should be made in the Congress, right? So this is a unique opportunity. And nobody active in politics today has any experience with this kind of opportunity, because there is no experience. And that means that things should shift a little bit. Now there's a chance to do stuff. And the questions that arise when there's a chance to do stuff are different than the questions that arise when you're in the opposition. Now you have to think about that calculus you just alluded to, Hugh, between the good and the best and you should get as much of the good as you can but but uh, and you should get as much of the best as you can but you'll only end up with the good or maybe not even very good but better and then getting to get up and fight again tomorrow and i'll i'll say another thing this is not over yet and it's 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 not unlikely that uh, you know, Ted Cruz did some very helpful things last week, and I yes, uh, he did. I was yes, so proud of him, and gosh, he's a brilliant guy. And and uh, I bet, you know I voted for him. You know I've, I've become known as a Trump guy, but I voted for him in Michigan in the primary, and I'm proud that I did it right. And and he did something creative and good. And it may be that what Mike Lee is doing is he's negotiating with those moderates, you know, Portman and Murkowski and those people, because he asked the obvious question, why should I be the one to surrender? Why don't they surrender? And the judgment will come at the end, right? Because if this fails, they all bear a heavy responsibility. Uh, I, I encourage people to read the column this morning in the Wall Street Journal of the great Kimberly Strassel, who who writes about, you know, there's the point is, you know, I was in Washington before I went abroad, and somebody said, Are you for this bill, whatever form it was in? And I said, Yeah, I am. And they said, But what about this and what about that? And I said, Yeah, okay, I didn't know about those things. And they said, You didn't know? And I said, I said, No. And they said, Have you read the bill? And I said, No. And they said, You know, I'm not in the Senate or the House. And they said, how do you know you're for it? And I said, everybody tells me that it's better than Obamacare. Is it? You know, I was talking to a bunch of congressmen who were voting against it. I said, is it better than Obamacare? And they
0: said, yes. And I said, yes. Significantly? And they said, yes. Yes. And I said, I'm for it. <laughs> and I go back. I've, I've been missing you a lot because you're pretty good at this. Occasionally, when, when I get you on the right day, you're coherent. And occasionally, when you're coherent, you say, first thing you do is pass a bill. <laughs> That's <laughs> the, First thing you do is you got to pass a bill. And so the only thing that matters to me is that they get something to the president to begin the process of unraveling this monster. Because as of today, it is now Obama- Collins, Lee, Paul, Moran care. As of today, yeah. we own this monster. And right. and and unless you hack away and people say oh, it's like hydra. If you strike it, it will grow seven heads. Well, I'd like to try striking it first. Yeah. <laughs> I would no. actually like to see what we could do.
1: So, you know, with some some of the people in the house and the Senate, the way you would negotiate with them is, congratulations, this is your lucky day. You, you, you need to vote for us, but we're going to pave the streets of your district in gold. And that would be, by the way, an excellent economic bargain if you could reduce greatly Obamacare. Some of them were responsive to that. Mike Lee's not like that. Mike Lee's a heck of a guy, you know. And so he's, if what he's doing is negotiating with Portman and Murkowski and such, then God bless him. But this, the judgment will come at the end if we fail— Suffer loss of the Congress over that that that's a serious thing, and my own well, and, and this is a prudential thing right so first yes. of all, that what does that mean? That means that in the context that we live in we 're all making judgments right and 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 they all have to take account of the circumstances let's say that it could play out this way, and Michael will be thinking about things like this i 'll bet you uh, he let's say it plays out that. Obamacare gets worse and worse, and the pressure grows and grows, and we get a chance to pass something yet better next year, right? Well he might be playing for that, I don't know, but I my own view is, this is the first chance, I think in human history, to start back in the other direction. And we should start, and then we should try to build on that. So this this bill would not be the end. It would be the precursor to many more things like that.
0: Including tax reform. Look, I'm not... Uh, uh, mad at Mike Lee. It wouldn't matter if I was. As I think yeah. you pointed out, he is indifferent to emotion on this regard, and I do not doubt that he took what, in his view, was a principled measure. What I'm pointing out, what the audience has to understand, is Mike Lee did this. It's called accountability. And Ted Cruz authored the amendment, which would have reintroduced federalism into health care. It was part of the bill. I do not... I, I really rue that you were out of the country, because I don't know that Mike Lee could call you and talk to you about this but it was not prudential. And the fact that they will fail to open debate on the complete repeal is not a fig leaf, because we always knew that they wouldn't pass that. And so it, it is is—it is about prudence, Dr. Arn. in the final analysis. What can we get done? And if they don't pass this, their tax reform is much more limited, if it at all can survive. And if they don't pass that, then the Russia investigation grows, because the answer to the Russia investigation is achievement, isn't it?
1: Yeah it so you know put, it, it, a sober view if you ste- step back from these charges you know did did the, t- go back to russia for a minute did donald trump make a deal with the russians to get dirt on hillary clinton and then favor them well we know that's not true unless he's a deal breaker because he has not been favoring them right donald, donald trump is building up the military of the united states and if you're a foreign despot that's not a good thing, right? If you're China and you're increasing your trade with North Korea, while North Korea is, is spectacularly building the ability to strike the United States with nuclear weapons, if you're doing that, then the thing you don't want us to do is to be building up our military so we can counter that. And Trump, you know, I've got a feeling that the result of North Korea is going to be Trump is going to start talking to Japan and Taiwan in different terms than he has in the past. And all that stuff is dangerous, and all that stuff is going on, and the President of the United States deserves our support while he deals with it, especially if he shows so many signs of dealing with it vigorously. And that's the same thing about this vast, expensive, intrusive, dangerous administrative state. Every step that can be taken back toward constitutional government should be taken.
0: Proclaimed a victory and then another one taken after another that. one. Another one. We'll be right back to talk about another step you should take this weekend to see the movie Dunkirk with Dr. Larry Iron. No better person to talk about Dunkirk with than him. Back, America American Hugh with the Hillsdale Dialogue underway again. Doctor Larry Arn back from Europe. Doctor Arn, of course, the president of Hillsdale College. All things Hillsdale available at hillsdale.edu. All of our conversations dating back many years collected for your audio binge listening at Hugh for hillsdale.com. Doctor Arn, if I can set aside the news of the day, I want to ask you: there is a movie that debuts this weekend, Dunkirk. Uh, my film critic, Sunny Bunch of the Washington Free Beacon. Exclaim uh, uh, that it's wonderful! Everyone has it's riveting. It's an amazing and and if you get the lens right, any story of courage is is going to be remarkable. And this is a great story of courage. What do you hope to see in Dunkirk? And what was Churchill doing? You who was who were part of his official biographical team under Sir Martin Gilbert. What was he doing during Dunkirk? Uh,
1: he was uh, he didn't bite his nails, but he was biting his nails. He. Uh he, you know, first of all, it's, uh, it's it's a wonderful story for so many reasons, and I should mention that my wife's father came off Dunkirk Beach with the Coldstream Guards. He was in an artillery regiment attached to them on the last day, so he wow. spent the whole eight days on Dunkirk Beach and had tremendous stories about the heroism of other people, especially in the Coldstream Guards. He never talked about himself, but what what you know, the story is so great for so many reasons, but one of them is is that uh, it was a free people rising up, right? They didn't know. They they thought, Churchill later said in a really wonderful speech about the thing, there were about 400,000 British and French soldiers gathered on that beach, and they had been cut off up in Belgium by the sickle cut led by Guderian and Rommel. And the French, most of the French army, and they, it was so confused, orders didn't matter. The French army mostly started gravitating toward Paris, and they separated, and the British army turned for the sea. And they ended up down there at Dunkirk, and there was a heroic defense up to the north at Calais, where they lost almost every soldier, including the very brave Major Nicholson, fought to the death, give them time to get those guys off. And then getting them off, a great large part of that was accomplished by people hearing on the radio there was a need and just setting off toward the war across the English Channel in their boats.
0: And, and not big boats, small boats.
1: Every kind. every you know, it, Whatever was the biggest boat you could lay your hands on. And so just make a picture of a fishing harbor, right? You know, you've been to many of them on the coast, anywhere, right? And think what kind of boats are sitting around there. Not military boats, right? Wherever they were, they just got in and they all went. And they got over there and they were under fire. A lot of them were sunk or killed or both. And, uh, and they brought almost all of the 400,000 back and none of their heavy
0: weapons. Not one. No, they can't, they, they can't get it off.
1: It, it was There's, just oh, you know, and and you know, uh, we learn about when we later learn about D-Day and about the invasion of of France that the limiting factor is roads and ports, and the reason they landed at Normandy is because the Germans knew that, and the ports were so heavily defended that that uh, you couldn't, you know, you couldn't hope to land there. And that meant they had to try to build their own ports. Well, they show up on Dunkirk Beach, and it's really long. It's more than a mile long, uh, huge, very nice beach, but it's just a beach. And so there's no place for a heavy ship to get close enough so you can roll an artillery piece onto it or a tank.
0: And I believe you told me that Churchill said you don't win wars by retreating but that it was a miracle nonetheless.
1: Yeah, wars are not won by evacuations. <laughs> uh, and he in the, you know cuz it was rejo- it was rejoicing, right? It was first of all what do you want? You want you want them to come home, right? And and this is not the first time a British army has gone over to France to face the Germans. And the last time and it's in memory, right? Cuz the second, first World War ended in 1918 and now here it is 1940. Twenty two years later, lots and lots of people alive who went through that first thing, and they have nothing but dread, and then something entirely different happens. And that is so the you know, the, the British Expeditionary Force went across to the relief of France and Belgium in early early in mid September of nineteen thirty nine. And then nothing happened in the West until it turns out the particular day is the tenth of may nineteen forty. And that is also the day Winston Churchill uh, kissed hands with the king and became prime minister of the country.
0: Will you? Will you be going to see this movie, Doctor?
1: I'm going this weekend. Yeah, and uh, and I'm, I'm I'm very I'm excited about it. I've read something about it that makes me fear that it's got a flaw, but uh, I won't tell you that. Now you should go see it because I hear it's very dramatic, and. Uh, I will tell you I'm 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 in movie mode right now because there's a Churchill movie coming coming out in November starring Gary Oldman and I think it's going to be fantastic. And I visited the set at Christmas. So I think we may get two shots of heroism. This,
0: this year. And we need more than two. They get one shot a week on the Hugh Hewitt Show, speaking truth to truth all the time. Dr. Larry Arn is back. America, the Hillsdale Hour is safe. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned to the Hugh Hewitt Show. Adam and Dwayne, thank you. Ben and Jake, thank you. Dr. Arn, thank you. I'll be back Monday, America. Don't watch. Don't forget to watch MSNBC tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. It'll be me on Hugh Hewitt. Stay tuned.